Hey, hey there, connectors. It is Rachel here, and I just want to share the worst thing that could possibly happen to a podcaster has happened to me. I don't know if you can tell, but I am losing my voice, so bear with me. But today we have a very special episode for you because we are switching it up. If you have been around for a while, you probably heard our episode three back in the OG Connector podcast days where we interviewed our good friend Dylan Vanis. Dylan is an entrepreneur and speaker doing big things in the world of marketing. Not only has he founded two eight-figure companies, but he's also worked with some of the biggest brands and personalities in the industry. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I recommend going back and listening to it. Now, today's episode, instead of us doing the interviewing, Dylan is actually going to be interviewing us, which is super fun. So today's episode was actually recorded specifically for the Dylan Vanish show. So you can always hop over there and listen to it on his show as well. But we wanted to bring it over here for you guys so you can hear the behind the scenes of what it's been like to build Connector and how we've been able to build the events that we run and monetize our events and our dynamic as business partners working together between Sam and I and the future of the Connector vision. So this is probably one of my favorite interviews we have done so far, and we hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Connect Her podcast for female entrepreneurs that are ready to level up personally and professionally. Here at Connector, we believe you are always one connection away from your next life-changing opportunity. So buckle on up and join us as we connect you with the most sought-after experts who will be sharing their exact strategies and experiences that helped them reach success. We're your hosts, Sam Conaway and Rachel Haig. We are the brains behind Connector, which is not your typical boring pitch fest networking community. And we have transformed the lives of over 10,000 women through events, mentorship, and of course, connections. Let's dive in. Can I get a boo? Yeah. <laughs> What's with the outfits? <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when you're on the same wavelength and you do the same meditation in the morning. So this no. was a complete accident. So she got out of her car and I looked at her and I was like, I don't think we can go in there like this. <laughs> she was like, why? And I was like, I feel like I'm playing dress up with my third grade <laughs> best friend. Honestly, we show up to some of our own events. We have to plan our outfits now for our own events because we would literally show up wearing the exact same thing and it just gets weird. It gets weird. I feel like I've seen a picture of you guys on your guys' website where you're wearing like the same outfit. Maybe like it's red or pink or maybe it's even these things. Things. <laughs> these jackets. <laughs> but uh but you guys don't want don't want to do that or you do. We're like so this is just a little bit like too close. It's super yeah, brandable it's though. A, it, but we do branding. we're here for the branding. We're here for the, the color like, is yeah. the brand. So Okay, yeah, let's rock it. But normally, but also like waist down you guys are like twinning too. Yeah, I know that's but where normally the issue <laughs> <was>. <laughs> that's <laughs> <laughs> Normally, one of us would wear like pink pants. The other would wear a pink jacket. Then we're opposite. It's different, you know. Today, we went through this phase, though. So we've been on the same like clothes wavelength for a very long time. We went through this phase where I was pregnant, and all I wore was dresses because I couldn't fit into my pants. And they looked like a lesbian couple going places because I don't. Wait, wear you're telling dresses. me you guys aren't hey a lesbian couple? Yeah, hey she has a baby. Okay. Um, but I, I don't wear dresses. I will wear blazer pants, heels, whatever. No dresses. You will never catch me in a dress. She was in beautiful floral dresses, and we looked like a couple. Mm. Mm. Did you guys get that look? Like, you walk in places, like, table for two, and they're like, okay. We have gotten before. So we had this client who was uh, on a sales call with Rachel, and Rachel closed a deal with her, and so she was coming on to me, and we were... Uh, doing an onboarding, not coming. On. On. <laughs> we were doing an onboarding call, and she was like, "I just spoke to your wife. She's very lovely." Oh my gosh! I was like, "Wife?" <laughs> it's because I said partner, so now we have to emphasize business, business partner. I learned that a long time ago. Yeah, it's like yeah. partner, especially if like you guys kind of have like uh, as far as like looks, like you're kind of you know in the same wavelength of looks and like same kind of like <laughs> energy. It's like, dang, you guys could just be a couple. I don't know. I mean, if I if I swung that way, maybe. 
maybe. I don't know. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> World premiere. <laughs> oh, God. But Luke's going to come after me and kill me. <laughs> so, so on that, um, is is one of you like the closer and the other one is like the, it sounds like just based on that, maybe like Rachel's like the closer and you're like kind of ops and operations or how's the dynamic between working together? Mm. So actually on the first few of our sales calls, when we were just getting started, Rachel had led her own sales team for solar. She used to be in solar. Let's talk about that in a sec. But she was coaching me while I was, because I was terrified of closing, terrified. As soon as I presented the offer and somebody had an objection, I would be like, you're right. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and I was like, I had so much fear. And she would whisper the answers while I was like closing. And she helped walk me through it to the point where I feel like we're kind of on, I don't know, if we're on, I mean, we're pretty much on the same level for as many deals as we both close in the business. Uh, but I definitely needed a lot of support in the beginning. Yeah, when we first started, I feel like I was more visionary, creative mindset, and then sales was my thing. So any sales calls, I would hop on the calls. Um, as we started to grow before we had our team, we obviously both had to take sales calls. So then I started kind of coaching her on that. And she started helping me with the systems because landing pages, funnels, all of that was like not my forte. Cannot do it. Um, so she kind of co coached me on the, the funnels and I coached her on the sales. And now we both kind of focus on both things. I kind of get the vibe from you guys that it's like a lot of like you guys are tag teaming the same thing. Um, you know, one thing I've seen in, in my business partnerships and like with Nick, for example, is like we have our lanes so clearly defined and we know exactly like at what, you know, what each one of us is doing and it allows us to literally take ownership and grab the entire thing like and just run with it without having to like in previous times, right? Like I've had partnerships where we didn't have that defined and I'm going back and forth like what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And it creates so much friction in the growth and development. Mm. So how do you navigate that being like a duo where you're working on effectively a lot of the same stuff? Do you have to collaborate on every idea or do you guys kind of like, I accept your judgment and just run with it? That is a great question. And I think when we were first getting started and we were building the foundation of everything, we had to go back and forth on every single idea. We were, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And Rachel and I had a lot of tension that started to build up. Uh, one of the biggest things that we have learned is... What kind of tension? I'm just, I don't I'm just like your joking. idea. Like your idea, in the bathroom right, of events, you're like, wrong. what's going on? <laughs> Why did you do it this way? Are you kidding me? Like, and so, like, we can go a lot deeper on the communication side because we had learned a lot through that. Uh, but we collaborate on a lot of ideas together. And it, I personally can see your point with that. And I think that's the route that we are headed right now. However, from building it together, there's so much fulfillment knowing that her brain went into it and my brain. And like we co-created this entire community, this entire business together. And it created this beautiful like masterpiece we get to see in front of our eyes and knowing like you like we our brains work together because she spits out an idea, then I spit it. And then it's like, we just go on top and then on top and then on top. And then all of a sudden we have this, like, we could have never came up with it by ourselves, if that made sense. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. There is definitely <laughs> a lot of tension that we had to work through in the beginning yeah. um, of both of us just letting our egos get in the way and feeling like we're right at all the t in all times and all moments and all decisions. I feel like now we're definitely at a point where the business is so established enough where I can fully trust her to build a project and she could fully trust me to build a project. But we really make an initiative to come together and communicate when we do build things separately and add each other's feedback on things. Um, and it helps us a lot. But in events, there's definitely we've separated who does what. Like I'm more of the hype person, the get everybody up, get the energy going. And she's more the like, let's get emotional. Let's l get the vulnerability out of the room. Um, I'm not let's a very, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a very vulnerable person in events. I don't like to initiate the cry, but I'll continue the cry and then bring everybody back up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you are like a ball of energy though, just in life. So like, it's, it's a little bit like you guys both are super high energy, but is that the dynamic? You're kind of like the more like sentimental and like deep and she's kind of like high energy, like let's rise up. So I think for our events dynamic, we've just kind of told ourselves this is how we're going to present ourselves to the community and to 
our events. Uh, she is really, really great at just getting everyone to chant and yell and get everyone in pumped up off their way. <laughs> in a somewhat of a cult way yeah. and dancing <laughs> <Half> and <cult. laughs> uh, one of the biggest things with vulnerability is you have to share something you have to talk about something hard you have to you know go deep within yourself and present that for people to feel safe enough to communicate with one another and so I really like to initiate that because I feel like it helps serves these ladies and they're able to go much deeper if I'm able to get vulnerable with them and so I really, really enjoy, and I don't think that I'm not capable of hyping people up. I just rather spend more time getting better at being softer and uh, really, really connecting with each of them and uh, as best as I can. Yeah, I love that. And one thing I, I know that Connector is about in a lot of ways is the vulnerability, like creating these relationships with women and opening up and being vulnerable. Um, how do you create and foster that kind of that environment where people feel open to be able to be that way, to be more vulnerable and, 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 and not so closed off. Cause I feel like society is, we're so, you know, we're, we're operating in a digital first world now. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's all about like showing how great you are to the world, mm -hmm. but vulnerability at its essence is taking that away and just showing like what's under, how do you foster that? I feel like it's a combination of both because and that's something that we get from feedback from our community the most is that that is what's unique about our events is the vulnerability aspect. Um, but it comes in the hype and it comes in the vulnerability because if there was all hype, it wouldn't be, you know, good. It'd just be this crazy concert. And if there was all vulnerability, there wouldn't be people getting to release that and then come back to that high of really connecting with each other afterwards. But going back on your question, I forgot your question, but I feel like the vulnerability aspect happens throughout the entire event. And it starts the moment they walk in the door, constantly being welcomed, people asking questions, what do you do, leading with value, wanting to, you know, provide for each other versus just take, take, take. And that welcoming environment forces people to kind of be their true authentic selves and show up and let their true selves shine. And then we pull the pull it out of them in many different ways. Yeah, just to piggyback off of that, as soon as they come in and, and we start speaking, we say, this is a place to let your ego at the door. Just leave it at the door. We're not going to bring it in, not today, because one of the biggest issues that Rachel and I had is we would go into networking event and conferences and we would try to make these big moves for ourselves. But the issue was is that we went in with our heads high and our egos to the door uh, or our egos as high as <laughs> like just as high as they could possibly go and we would say like you know nothing's wrong with my business I, I'm doing great in this I'm doing great in this I'm making this amount of money I'm, I'm you know I have this amount of clients here all of the amazing things that are happening in my life and my business and what would happen was we would go back home and <laughs> that's not what our reality was we had fires burning we had clients leaving. We were, you know, not making the money that we were saying that we were making. Like issues were happening, but we didn't want to portray ourselves that way. And we never moved forward. We kept hitting wall after wall after wall because we were never straightforward about where we needed help. And as soon as we started walking into events and going to uh, mentors or coaches or networking circles and saying, this is my problem. This is where I have issues. This is where I need support. What happens with And the quality of our questions got better. And we were just vulnerable about the topics that were going on in our lives. That's when we started to make more progress and we started to increase our revenue and our clients would stick around and we increased our retention and things started to look up for us. And so that's one of the biggest things we paint the picture for our ladies is this isn't the place where you need to come in with your heads high and say that nothing is going on with your business. You can go ahead and be be true to what's happening. That's cool. I love that. I think that it's, it's weird because I went through the same journey. It's like flexing, flexing, flexing because I'm like I'm not happy with where I'm at. I also see like the social digital media world. I'm like, holy crap, everyone else is so far ahead of me. So I was painting this picture of like, you know, success that wasn't true. And then like I caught up to that reality. And the thing is for me, I didn't, I didn't continue to inflate that reality because I was like, 
it feels so much better to exist as my true self mm -hmm. than to be the Lamborghini. I call it the Lamborghini guru. Other people say that too, but I use that term a lot. It's like, I don't want to be that guy. Um, and so with that, it's like life, everything is so much just better and happens better when we're true. Mm -hmm. There's this, um, this picture I saw years ago when I first got into personal development where this guy is holding a, a, a mask, like a blue mask, and the other guy's holding like a, a blue mask. And they're like, oh, like basically like, you know, like, oh, like, like who's under there? And they're both, uh, they're not able to see each other's true selves, even though they would connect, but everyone's wearing a mask around in life. And I think that's kind of how people sh think they have to show up in the world. Mm -hmm. But really in order for life to happen, in order for someone to help, you know, at, at your event, in order for you to help someone in the room or in order for someone else to help them, you got to know where they're at. If they're trying to flex this whole thing, you'll never be able to support them. So um, with that, though, you guys are crushing it with events. Like, and you guys may not always feel this way, but seriously, you guys are, are kicking butt. You guys have grown extremely rapidly. You're delivering, a, a, you know, an amazing experience. Um, and we haven't really covered it, but you guys are really in, in the event business. You, that's, I mean, it, okay, you're shaking your head. So maybe coaching? We're in, we have like three businesses under the connector name, but. So, 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 so here's my thought, right, is you guys have events as a funnel to bring people in. Now, the reason I say that events is like one of the hardest businesses to be in. You got to put butts in seats. They're usually highly unprofitable. You're risking a lot up front with venue deposits and marketing and all this stuff. And ticket sales don't come in until the last two weeks. <laughs> so, well, uh, you put it that way, <laughs> or the yeah. night before if you're uh, starting out. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I, yeah, so I'd love to hear that story too. The thing is, like, you guys are in a hard business. I'm just gonna, and you guys are doing amazing. How are you operating and doing something that's typically so hard and making it look easy? Hmm. So, we've ran about 90 events in the past year and a half now. And events is where we 100% started. So you're right. It is, you know, we are an events company and then we've grown into being other things. Um, but we definitely, this is our favorite thing about events. We actually said this at our last event. We were in the green room and we were sitting there and we were really taking it in because we now have a team helping us. So we were sitting back there and we were like, oh, we can breathe. It's, it wasn't like this in the beginning. Um, and we were talking about the funnest thing about being in the events business is even though it's crazy, even though it's a lot of energy, we're able to truly implement random things and try new things every single time we host an event. We can literally do whatever we want with the community. We can make it whatever theme we want. And that's the beauty in it. And that's how we've been able to change and learn something new from every single event. One of our first ever events, we planned absolutely everything from food to purchasing a venue that was out of our pockets, beyond beautiful, hiring videographer, photographer. Like we went all in on creating the best experience. <laughs> and then... Uh, and how'd that go for you? What happened? <laughs> well, <laughs> it was the night before. We were so stressed out about creating this incredible experience. Like Rachel mentioned, photographers, videographers, venue out of budget, food, catering, just this downtown location. And we sit down. We're like, okay, who's coming? <laughs> we pull out the list of people that have gotten their tickets. This is the first time we charged a little bit more, too. And nobody bought a ticket. And we looked the night before or the day before. We had the full day. And we looked no, the we day had before. One. We had one. That's Just true. One. We had one. Okay, that is that Your, is your mom doesn't count. She doesn't. And it wasn't her. <laughs> it wasn't her mom this time. <laughs> we had, yes, one woman and we sat there and Go ahead. What did we what did we do? Have you ever wait, heard? Wait, wait, so just just so I understand properly, yes. you guys are like like swiping the credit card. You guys are making yes. stuff happen. You're doing what it takes. But this whole time you didn't even look like No. Wow. Okay. So this is the beginning. And our main goal was we always wanted to host luxury events. And it didn't have to be like luxury, all the glitz and glam and fancy cars and Lamborghini gurus, but we wanted it to be an incredible experience. We wanted to make sure everybody had food, they had water, they had a beautiful space. And so we really went above and beyond for this event. 
But this was our first time ever hosting an event, and we had no idea what the systems in place would be to actually get people there and get butts in seats, which is the most important part. Um, but going back on that, have you ever heard of muscle testing? Mm-hmm, yeah. We're getting a little woo-woo over here, okay? We had no options. We had no idea what to do. It was like 2 a.m. the night before. And so we started muscle testing, which is where you, you know, you clear your energy and you ask yourself questions and whichever way your body leans is the way that you get the answer to the question. Um, And so we muscle tested in our office that night. We were like, should we cancel this event? We're done. Like connector's never going to be a thing. We suck at this. We probably shouldn't run events. Maybe we need to try something else. Um, And the muscle test said, yes, you should continue this event. You should make it happen for that one person. Um, And so we ended up sending messages, like getting on it. And we ended up packing that house. I mean, the venue was overpacked with like 60 people. And that one event, I mention it because that event taught us so much about putting butts in seats, selling tickets, getting systems in place, and the overhead it takes to host events to now be able to run the events that we're running now with, you know, 300, 500 women in them. When the stress is that high, you muscle test. (laughs) You muscle test. (laughs) That's when you start blaming each other. Well, why didn't you do this? Well, why didn't you do this? And so the friction got high. And that's when, you know, we had to really learn communication skills as well uh, to get a little bit more deep with that. One of my biggest triggers was I don't like confrontation. I, I don't like when someone seems upset or they raise their voice or they get angry. And so I close off. I don't want to talk. I'm going to go in my corner. You go in your corner and let's just, you know, that's it. And there was a lot of childhood, you know, things that had happened to cause that point. So I had to communicate that to Rachel and be like, look, this is where I'm at. This is why, you know, certain areas like I need you to communicate in this way and and you need me to communicate in a certain way because, Yours was opposite. She was the very opposite communication style as me when it comes to confrontation. When I'm in a stressful situation, I'm like, this needs done. That needs over there. We need to get loud. Um, And so what has helped us be able to host events to get to this point is not about the strategy. It's not about getting butts in seats. It's not about all those things. It's mostly been about us being on the right page with communication And now that we're able to learn each other's communication styles and we're able to communicate all the things of the systems and all the back end, we're now able to communicate with our team as well to be able to scale. So communication. (laughs) That's awesome. So uh, if anyone's in a partnership or they're working with their employees, how do you identify and learn those communication styles so you can work more efficiently? Mm. The number one thing that we really like to implement is when throwing something. fists. Yes, you know, <laughs> get in the back room. And We're both we both did uh, karate. So <laughs> we did the same martial arts. We want to put on the sparring gear one day and <laughs> hash it out. Hash it you out. Be a referee. Um, but throw hands. Throw hands. Throw hands. No, the number one thing is when something does come up where we feel there's a tension or a lack of communication. Before we bring it to each other, looking within, what is coming up within you, right? You spot it, you got it. If if she's irritating me because of something, well, that's an irritation I have within myself. Where did that come from in my childhood? What belief patterns do I have around, you know, that belief that's coming up? Um, and then when I'm able to reflect and understand what's coming up within me, then I'm able to bring it to her and communicate that to her. And she's able to realize what's within her too. And we're able to kind of look within first. Mm. Um, so just, uh, on that last thing you guys were saying is you filled the event up. How did you manage to do that in like 24 hours, get 60 people there? And how do you continue, how, like, how are you continuing to fill events now? So we had a base of a community built. And the reason why we thought we had tickets sold is because we had already built some, like a container for our ladies to, we had Facebook groups, we had Instagram, we had their social media. A lot of them engaged. They said they were interested. They said they wanted to go. They'd fill out the forms. They'd join the wait list. Uh, but it was the first time we raised the ticket price. So we noticed that once we raised the ticket price that they weren't as willing to purchase because they were like, whoa, this is new. Like, uh, they, I the guess the, the value wasn't completely shown of like, this is why we're making it. It wasn't anything crazy. 
Uh, like 15 to 40 or something? Or? Yeah, it was just like, it was like a $20 difference. So it really wasn't anything, but it was the first time we had like kind of made that that switch. And so we were kind of testing it too. And then, you know, we wanted a higher scale event or by 20 bucks, it wasn't anything crazy. But uh, market research is everything. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes people with products or people with coaching offers, they raise the the ticket point to a certain thing and they notice shifts happen. So our community was very used to one thing and then we changed it. But to answer your question, we did have a community base that showed that they were interested. Uh, and the way that we got it was we don't offer free tickets. We offer complimentary tickets <laughs> because there is a big difference there. So free obviously insinuates at an event that uh, maybe it seems a little bit more cheap, like you can just come and, and it's an option. However, when it is complimentary, this is a gift to you from us. Like here is us like pouring ourselves out to you. So it feels like the energy giving to them is a little bit different when you use just that language of complimentary versus free. So we and were that reciprocation is due. Like they have mm-hmm. they have to show up. They have to give them, mm-hmm. you know, give their energy there. Here's a complimentary ticket. But if you want to bring a friend, they have to purchase a ticket. Yeah, so it was something just as simple as that, and we had sent it out to our base. So anybody who was on our wait list saying, uh, I'm interested or showing interest in the event, we we reached out to every single person. And there was hundreds of girls that were showing interest in it. So we stayed in our chairs, and we we made sure that all of them, we were on phone calls. We were, like, we were not about to throw whatever <laughs> that event cost and we didn't, you know, have the money to throw it at the time and not have people show up. So we sat on phone calls. We sent out every message we could. Uh, we asked their friends if they knew anybody and just went from there. And it's crazy because that event was one of our and, beginning events. And now every single woman, for the most part, that was at that event is still in our community now. Mm-hmm. And they're the ladies that are at every event, hyping us up, bringing their friends, leading groups within our community. So... If they said no too, like that wasn't an option. Like it was like, but why? <laughs> this is for you. <laughs> and then so obviously that's not generating money. Maybe some people bought tickets, whatever. Like so then how did you monetize that event? Right. So we didn't learn how to monetize events until probably six months, maybe almost a year down the road, where we really learning to actually monetize and make money from events. Uh, you mentioned it in the very beginning that events typically don't make much. They hardly break even sometimes. And so we had to learn a lot from bringing in sponsors and vendors. Ticket sales really don't do anything for us. Uh, it's mostly in the sponsorships, the vendors. And then we had learned how to sell at events as well. Uh, I am a big fan of Russell Brunson. He has a YouTube video of how he sold $3 million in 90 minutes on uh, Grant Cardone's 10X stage. And I studied that thing <laughs> like the back of my hand, watched it over and over and over and over, figured out how he did it. And then we came together because Rachel's just a killer at ideas and creativity. So how can we make this our own? How can we make this serve our community? And how can we give back in the best way and present the best offer possible for them that's actually they're going to leave feeling more fulfilled. Uh, And and one of the things and the mindset barriers we had to get through was selling to our people and selling at events wasn't a bad thing. So people coming to, like, we didn't want to sell at events. We just wanted to create a fun experience. And then we realized we can create way more impact and do way cooler things for this group. And we can just get bigger and better and, and do much greater if we're making money. <laughs> We're making money from this. And people that pay, pay attention. So what if we have a really awesome offer that they're paying attention to and they're able to get a lot more from it? And so we learned how to monetize from events that way. Selling from stage. Selling from stage. That's awesome. And I think that's a belief a lot of people go through in business and life. And some of my influencer friends, they're like, well, why should I take on sponsorships? I can make money off ad revenue. It's fine. Like, mm-hmm. And then they cross the bridge of like, oh, I can make better content. I can provide better experiences if I have these ascension plans and uh, or if I, you know, take on sponsors or whatever it is. So uh, I'm glad you guys kind of discovered that and and became okay with it. Um, 
And, uh, and I love that you studied Russell Brunson's uh, video. I know that for me, uh, I did uh, basically the same thing, but during COVID, uh, like a virtual event, also known as a webinar. Um, and I studied everything I get my hands on as far as webinars go. There was like one or two main ones I studied, but same deal. I sat and I watched it forwards and backwards and made my thing, my presentation, built everything. And my first webinar I ever did, I made $30,000 in one hour. <laughs> I was like, holy crap, this stuff works. And then um, now I've done millions of dollars in sales from from webinars online, um, which is basically the same as event. It's it's give people an experience, teach them uh, something they didn't already know, give them opportunity to learn. And then at the very end, give them the ability to get more access to you, get more growth and development. And the people that it's the right fit for, they raise their hand and then, you know, and then they move forward. The people who aren't, it's not the right fit for. Like, I'm not holding you down and handcuffing <laughs> you and making me give me your credit card. <laughs> so, um, so cool. Um, it seems like everything you guys touch, like, uh, I was going to say turns to excellence. Uh, think, think of it like you guys both were like bodybuilding champions. You guys both have had extremely successful things in the past. Um, and then now you guys are just dominating with this. It takes some time to figure things out, but do you have some secret sauce? Like what is, why are you two able to be the best in everything you've touched? Consistency. Like the first event was not good, right? The first workout didn't see results. The first salad with first grilled chicken didn't give me abs, mm -hmm. but consistency and staying dedicated, self-discipline on the same thing over and over again, pivoting and improving the same thing over and over again will get you results in anything if you just go all in on it. Yeah, I would say taking action, not being afraid or feeling the fear and doing it anyways. A lot of yeah. the times, I mean, this last event or our last conference that we did, we were terrified. I had just had a baby. <laughs> And we signed up to do the biggest conference that we had ever thrown. And I didn't know what my time capacity was going to look like. I didn't know how much Rachel was going to have to take on. I didn't know the stress or the, the pain points. But we looked at each other and we were like, we know we can do it. We just have to say yes. And we grow where we're planted. So we like to pour, like whatever you just pour water on, it's going to grow. It's going to grow. If you fixate on that one thing, and you go all in on it, you're going to probably have some days where there's cloudy days and thunderstorms and lightning strikes, and maybe it ruins that entire plant that you're trying to build. But if you stay with it and you keep going, like it will eventually become this beautiful flower or tree or potato farm. Potato farm. <laughs> <laughs> potatoes <laughs> Love them. potatoes potatoes um yeah you got to focus i think a lot of people they they like there's uh shiny object syndrome and it's like oh let me do this let me do this but for areas that i look at have been most successful in and sounds like you're saying the same thing it's like let me just make this work like let me focus and not try to find opportunity that exists elsewhere and just let me just find the opportunity here and so you guys did that which is yeah. cool um what uh what is your guys' biggest fight that you guys have had? <laughs> Do you know? I don't know. You laugh like you did. <laughs> she she knows. <laughs> like, oh god, but something came to mind. Um I don't think it's been cleared yet either. We're gonna do a little therapy session on this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't so Rachel and I we compete and compare ourselves to each other the most. Yeah. And it so, serves us in many ways. 100%. Like that's one thing I will say is it serves us a lot to have somebody that's also as dedicated as you, focused on their habits, focused on their business, focused on all of those things, doing the exact same things. <laughs> um, the comparison definitely spikes, I don't know, motivation within us. Mm -hmm. But it's that's where the communication comes in. You got to communicate those things. I'm trying to think of an example, though. I think, I mean, sometimes it'll be really, really petty, like extremely petty. It'll be like, I saw you working out at the gym and, and we'll, I'll bottle, like we both have done this, but I'll use myself as an example. Uh, I'll bottle it in of I'll see her working out. I'll see her eating good. She's posting on her stories. She got up. She like 
did her hair and makeup and everything, and she looks great for our team meeting. And I'm like, holy crap, like, I woke up late today. Like, I didn't get it in. Like, I, I, you know, I had my, my baby, and, and we're in different, like, areas of life, too. So I'm comparing myself against a season that she's not even experiencing right now. And I'll just stuff it down. I'll stuff it down. Stuff, I won't talk about it. And then she's in this great mood on uh, one of our calls. And I'm just like short. And I'm, I'm just like, yep, sounds great. Cool. <laughs> and then later down the road, she'll be like, okay, like what happened today? And I will be like, okay, this is what happened. You're doing amazing things right now. And I'm not on top of my habits right now. You know, I'm, I'm struggling with my sleep schedule. I I have a baby right now that is crying and screaming and I love him so much, but I have like some mom guilt with it that I'm really battling through. And I don't even know if I'm going to get to the gym today. And it's your fault, <laughs> but it's not actually her fault, but it feels like it's all her fault. And so we'll have like those pet because I'm competing against her and I'm comparing myself because she's like the number one person other than, you know, Luke or my baby in my life that business partner she's, <laughs> yes <laughs> it's like a marriage <laughs> her business you're her second favorite partner yeah yeah I'm sorry to say that it's I moved down to the second when Luke came around <laughs> I think the pregnancy definitely challenged us um I wouldn't say there was like a a fight where we were ever like okay this is it um but for a very long time we were on the exact same pages in life like we were both, you know, not married, not thinking about children, doing the same things in business, working the same hours, doing a lot of things together. And then all of a sudden she's having a baby and, you know, she's going through pregnancy. So she's sick. She's feeling certain ways. She's dressing girly. Now I look like a lesbian <laughs> wife. You know what I'm talking about? Like it was it was a whole big shift. And so we had to relearn a lot of things during her pregnancy. But it definitely served us now and made us a lot stronger. Yeah, it keeps us growing. That's cool. Now, um, as it's also really cool that you're self-aware enough to be able to identify that and and with maturity observe it. Like, like you're not in that. I mean, you were in it, but like as we talk right now, you're like talking as if it's something you observed, identified, and you're working through, which is cool. Yeah. Um, how being so like dominant and and being so like business orientated, it's, it takes a lot. How does it affect you guys' personal relationships? Um, like, are you, I mean, you said you're, you know, you, you got uh, Luke and then you have a baby. Like, I'm not sure if you're in a relationship, but how does it affect your home life? Mm. Finding balance. <laughs> you can speak on that first because you're, yeah, you're I think a mama. It's, you it's a little bit probably different. So, when I had a baby was the first time that I had completely stopped working for multiple weeks. Like I didn't think about work. I didn't open my laptop. I didn't check my phone. Like I was so present in the moment just with the whole experience. It was the most beautiful, wonderful, hard, <laughs> challenging, uncomfortable, magical experience that I've ever gone through. And I was so in that moment that I stopped working. And Rachel knew that I was trying to take at least, you know, a few weeks off, month off of just like no communication with, with work wise. So we prepped for that. And once I came back, it was the first time I was able to turn off again. Before that, I was never able to really completely turn off. My brain was always going. When I went to sleep, I was still thinking. When I woke up in the morning, I was still thinking about work. Uh, when I was sitting at dinner time, it was really hard for me to feel fully present. And having a baby was the greatest gift of presence that I could ever receive. Because when we're done for the day, I'm able to close my laptop and I'm able to look at him or be in my relationship or go to dinner and just sit there and feel nothing but love and gratitude and excitement. And I had I, I never really understood that before. I thought I did. I thought like I would speak about it as if I did, but I didn't realize that there was so much more depth to presence. So that was a really a big, a big gift and a big eye opener for, for myself. And now I feel as though we have set up our personal schedules where this is the time that I'm done. And, you know, uh, certain seasons, maybe that will change. 
but this is the time that I'm done and I'm very, very firm on this is the time I want to be present with my my family because that takes precedence. That's my number one value over everything. And I was really scared to communicate that at Ra- to Rachel first and tell her that family is over business because she knew me when business was first. So to have that change and to have her accept me changing like that and hopefully she's okay with that was scary. And she was. And she was like, I, I completely, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't fully understand, but thank you for telling me and let's work through this together. And maybe it might challenge me at some points, but let's work through this. And, and then that shift happened. Um, so that's kind of my take on it, but I want to hear yours because I know it's a little different. I don't have work life. <laughs> um, I work. <laughs> and then I have a little life. Um, just kidding. Yes, you do. I'm definitely working on it. And that's something I've struggled with for a really long time because kind of going back on that consistency thing, I knew like self-discipline, just do it. You got to do it. You got to do it. And so I'd catch myself working like 14 hour days every day and like forgetting to eat. Um But right now, one of my main focuses is figuring out what are the things that do fill my cup. I can still work 14-hour days if I want to. That's fine where I'm at right now. But making sure I'm having those couple containers of, okay, if I'm going to meditate in the morning and that's what really makes me feel good, it's a non-negotiable and I'm not focused on anything else during that time. I'm present focused on that. And then if I'm, you know, with my boyfriend or if I'm with my family, I'm present in that and I'm not checking my phone. I'm not sending emails because that's a non-negotiable in that moment. And then the same thing in work. If that, if I'm present in work, I'm able to get a lot more done and then I don't have to work all 14 hours. Um, so really just categorizing everything and being fully present in everything is what's helping me find the most balance right now. That's cool. Presence is so hard right now. People have, do you guys have Apple Watches? Yes. You do? And I feel the vibrate when I'm not even wearing it. You, Yeah, the fan, the phantom, vi- it's a real thing, yes. the phantom vibrate. Um, <laughs> and I refuse, I, I, I love Apple. I do. I, I, don't, I don't foresee a future, uh, except maybe Tesla, uh, where I will stop using Apple devices. But that said, I have always refused to put that on my wrist because I know every 30 seconds it's going to distract me and take me away from what I'm doing. Um, but the fact that you guys are putting intention on being present and spending that time, because while it may be short, the, uh, it's the quality of the time, not the quantity of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you can, if we can spend like as biz, busy business people, uh, a really attentive quality of time with people, it doesn't matter that we're, it's only five hours a week. Um, obviously as a mom, it's a little bit different. There's like literal physical and emotional needs that, you have to support a baby with, but um, it's cool to see you guys making that happen. <coughs> Can I just interrupt for a sec? Uh, okay. We love to make sure we are connecting you with the industry experts that you want to hear from. If you have a guest you would like to hear on the show, make sure to shoot us over an Instagram DM and let us know who it is. Our Instagrams can be found in the show notes. Okay, that's all. Let's get back at it. So what's the future of events look like? Uh, you know, we, we, is it going to be continuing to grow and, and how, what does future events look like for you guys specifically? Is it going to be continuing to grow? Why do you even have to ask that question? <laughs> <laughs> so we have had the same meditation, visualization, like none of this is done on accident. We visualize the experience that we want to create for every single person that sits down in the seat. How do we want them to feel? What is the experience we want them to have? How do we want them to leave? What does the ripple effect look like? How do we want them to show up to their families? How does that transform the way that they show up to their business or to their job or whatever that may look like for them? And we sit there before every single event and we close our eyes and Rachel and I will go back and forth about the experience that we're trying to create. And then we also have this visualization of packing a stadium of 10,000 women. That's our that's like the goal that we're shooting towards right now is packing an entire stadium, 10,000 women. Uh when I personally I feel it by the way. Well, right like like no, like right now I feel that. It's it's happening. It, it it is and it's crazy because that visualization first came to me when I was at my lowest moment. This was probably 6 years ago 
when I didn't have a business at that point. I had just lost business. I had just moved in with my parents. I had lost all of my money. I was depressed. I was anxious. I was having panic attacks. And I went on a hike and I climbed up you know, to this mountain. I sat down and I looked up at the sky. And it was a very like, pretty sunset. And it was the first time I started to feel emotions because I had been so numb for months, just completely numb. I wanted to shut out all of the pain. I closed my eyes and I was just like, why? Why am I here? What am I supposed to do? What am I meant to do? And I saw myself speaking on stage. I saw just a crowded like area. And as the years went on, it just became more and more clear. And then we got our heads together and it was like, okay, we're going to do, you know, 10,000 people. And it's going to be all, you know, this entire stadium. It's going to be women. We're going to have these huge keynote speakers And the visualization is just so alive in us. And I know you're a big fan of Joe Dispenza as well. So we have mind movies that we watch every Mm. day of how, not how we're going to, because we don't know how we're going to make it happen. We just know that it is going to happen. And we trust in that. Yeah, growing up, I had very similar meditations. I used to um, do a whole speech to all my stuffed animals with my toothbrush, (laughs) you know, since OG days. Um, but I never knew that that audience was going to be women until we started working together. And now it lights me up because I was never a girl's girl. I thought girls were, you know, there was jealousy, there was judgment. I was bullied. I thought girls were scary. Um, all the way up until my sister passed away, who is the complete opposite of me. She was a cheerleader. She had all these friends that were girls. I was like hanging out with my coworkers that were dudes doing martial arts, like complete opposite. I was a tomboy. Um, And when my sister passed, that's when I really opened up to having women in my life, which was something I really needed. Um, And so now in those visualizations, it is women. But one thing that I think is really important is it's not about the journey. It's not about the end result. It's about the community along the way. Because you can make a ton of money, you can hit eight figures, but you don't want to be making eight figures sitting alone in your bedroom and having nobody else by your side. That's that's not worth it. That's not living. And so I want to pack a stadium, but I want every single woman that walks into that stadium to get there and automatically recognize another woman in the room because that's how strong the connector culture is. They already know each other. They already feel welcomed and they can step into that room and just truly be themselves and be with a whole family of female entrepreneurs that are encouraging them on their journeys. That's amazing. And what, what as you were talking about that, the like almost the moment we shifted into it, like I said, I feel it. And I think it's going to happen sooner than you guys think and in a way you least expect because the, it's real in the sense that like the immediately, like I feel it through my body. Like I actually felt, felt tingles the moment it came out of you guys' words, your mouth. So uh, great job. You're creating it and it's going to happen. It's happening. Um, so good stuff. We're, uh, we're tapping into a little bit of the woo side, which I love. Um, we, we, ha- we don't really tap too much into it here, but, you know, I love to go into the woo. And so uh, what is the woo? You mentioned it a few <laughs> times. And then uh, and I got one last question for that after you guys. But what is the woo and, like, how can someone get into the woo? <laughs> <laughs> the woo? Um, in our in our community, there's one of the girls that— Woo-hoo. She calls it the woo-hoo. So <laughs> no, we call it the woo-hoo side. Um, I think— And like on social media, woo-woo, woo-hoo, whatever, is really portrayed in so many different ways. And I think it really is very simple where social media makes it really complicated. And it's just, it's, you're within. It's the peace that you have within, the presence that you have within, and the energy that you have within. Um, If you show up in a bad mood, you're going to make other people in a bad mood. If you show up in a good mood and you're giving, you're providing value, you're just being your true self, other people are going to do the same. Um, And so, yeah, we just, our woo-woo side is pulling out our true authentic selves, our weird selves, our funny selves, (laughs) every, every piece of vulnerability within us and letting it shine and then other people let it shine too. Yeah, I would say. I mean, same. Yeah, <laughs> It's all about the energy that we want to and the intention behind what we're trying to build. When we get our energy right and our attention right, then we notice that we climb a lot faster and we do much greater and we impact a lot better. Yeah, we, we do a lot of Joe Dispensive meditations. And I believe if you can see something in your brain, if you can visualize something, you can make it happen. Um, but you have to believe it up here before it can actually come to play in real life. And so 
part of what we do, I feel like, is when women come together at our events, they're getting to experience, see the the beauty in each other, the energy in each other, and it's showing them what they're capable of so they can visualize their highest selves and then work towards that and see their visions because it's created as a team, as a community. If, uh, the way I, I picture it is the power of intention mm-hmm. because what we have is if a painter takes a palette of paint and a canvas, they have all the material to create the most beautiful picture in the world. But without the power of intention and visualizing with the understanding of like what I'm creating, they're just going to paint what? A, a blob. And or it would probably turn into just a brown painting. But the moment we power intention, visualization, and we actually first craft that painting in our mind uh, and then take the slow action steps to, to make it reality. First, sketch it out on there, then select the paint, and then take the right brush. We take all the pieces and we then create the masterpiece. And uh, and that that's that's where I see the woo coming in is we let's take the woo, let's take the power intention, and then it formulates the action steps into reality. We heard this podcast of this woman who was being interviewed. Her name is Miss Excel. You might have heard of her on TikTok who sells like Excel. I don't know, she like teaches courses. people how to use Excel. Yeah, oh, cool. super simple. She's gone very viral. She's made hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, throughout her courses. And one of the guys who was interviewing her on this podcast asked her, what is your secret behind content creation? And she said, the only thing that I do is I sit and I meditate before my before I record because I want to think about the experience that the viewer is going to have. I don't plan anything. I don't like make the, like this whole ordeal. I don't have a whole strategy behind it. All I do is I meditate and I feel the emotions that I want the people who are watching this like boring Excel video <laughs> to like feel. And then that energy, she's like, I believe that energy that I am putting out, even though it's through a screen, people can feel that. And that's why my video, every single one of them goes viral. And I was like, whew. Okay, well, let me just, let's do that. <laughs> and so we did. I love it. Well, uh, thanks for coming on. This was fun. Really, really good podcast. So thank you so much. Um, for people who want to learn more, connect, like what's the best way to do so? Yeah. So we can pop. Maybe on Instagram. You can yeah. go to you guys' pages. Instagram. My Instagram is Rachel with two L's, H-A-G-U-E. Okay. And then. My... How do you say your last name? Guess. Hogue? How do you say Guess yours? again. Hoggy? Hoggy? <laughs> Hoggy. Hag. 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 How do you say yours? Oh, I was missing the, the A. Hag. Yeah. Bananas. Dylan Bananas. Yeah. Dylan Banana. Banana. And then, uh, and then uh, Sam Conway. Sam, Sam Conway. I think there's two Ys. I'm pretty sure. And uh, we'll drop out everything in the show notes. So yes. we're good. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for having Thank us. You. Cool. Thanks for tuning in to the Connect Her podcast. We are your hosts, Sam and Rach. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to show your support, make sure to connect your friends with your favorite episode, leave a review, and download that favorite episode for later. And remember, you're always one connection away. We'll catch you in the next episode.